revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Welcome to Medicine on Call, where it's all about living in the solutions. Today I have a very important guest on, and his name is Pastor John Riddell. He's the president of Faith and Freedom Coalition. And we speak a lot about healthcare on our show, and we try to talk to about it from a physician standpoint. But there's a there's another side to this, and it's the side of the patient. And what Pastor Riddell is doing is he's getting he's a voice actually and getting the voice out for people who are underrepresented in our healthcare system. And before we get started, I wanted to thank you so much, Pastor, for your time. I know how busy you are. And I wanted to let our listeners know a little bit more about you. How did you come to start or start the Faith and Freedom Coalition? Well, the, the Faith and Freedom Coalition was uh, started on the national level by uh, Ralph Reed. Um, and he started it in, I believe, 2008 um, and started building state chapters across the country. Uh, I happened to attend one of their national conferences uh, and met Ralph and saw how he was so devoted to faith solutions to the problems that are facing our nation uh, that I was so encouraged by his remarks that I decided to form one here in Delaware uh, as a Delaware chapter. And from that, we've also formed one in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and we're now the Mid-Atlantic uh, Faith and Freedom Alliance. Well, one of the things I was struck about your alliance is that it's about God, you know, and it's about reaching back and really having God as the head of our lives. And it really was non-denominational, wasn't it? It wasn't just Christian. It was any any faith. Is that correct, or am I wrong? Uh, well, it's, it's uh, mainly uh, Christian, uh, Judeo-Christian. We have some of our good Jewish friends involved in our, our whole event. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, uh, who wrote The Harbinger, is one of the pastors we associate with and work with. Uh, it's Catholic and Protestant, Protestant. Uh, a black and white, Democrat, Republican, and it was all based on the premise that if you lead first in faith, then the politics and the problems and the solutions work themselves out. But if you start first with politics, it almost always leaves out the faith component. And, and some of the best solutions to our problems are centered around the churches and what they can do and how they interact with the community and deliver services. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to definitely drill down too, and that's accessibility. And one of the things that people really don't know about, I think we talk, we get lost in our healthcare debate about those of us who don't have access to medical care. And we were at a conference together a couple of weeks ago in D.C., and one of the things that struck me when some of the uh, pastors, wives, and, and other people from your organization talked about was the fact that they, they didn't have access to physicians, that they weren't spoken to, um, you know, they weren't partners in their care. And I, I found that to be kind of surprising since I don't run my practice like that. Give us a little bit of a flavor, if you can, of what it's like to be a, a group that, you know, the system doesn't work for. Well, that's the single problem with the Affordable uh, Care Act. It, it really gives you health insurance but doesn't give you really any health care. Uh, and what happens is it drives, especially in the, in the poor communities and communities in the inner city that we're facing here in Delaware, it ends up driving patients who need health care the most to the least qualified people to provide the health care, for instance, 
physician's assistants or just seeing a nurse or just seeing someone who's not trained in a discipline enough to help them through the process. So uh, you, you know how they've opened the clinics or opening clinics in, in CVS pharmacies. And, and what, this, what has happened with the healthcare uh, system, delivery system now, especially for the, uh, our members and, and the people that are in the lower income bracket is that they're driving us into more of the CVS clinics while the politicians get to go to the Mugo clinics with the best doctors, the best resources, the best uh, services provided. And so our, our community, thinking that they uh, were getting something with the Affordable Care Act, actually got nothing. They got less care. Uh, I, I've been to uh, locations now where the wait has jumped from 20 minutes to two, three hours uh, because there's just a flood of people trying to get in uh, to see the doctors, the limited doctors that are doing the services now. So it, it really has driven healthcare in the opposite direction. And, and of course, you know about the Safe Harbor Act mm -hmm. that was put in in 1988 or 89, I'm not sure, 87 or 88, I'm not sure, uh, which uh, puts in a, P, I think it's BM's. Pharmaceutical benefits managers mm -hmm. that have completely escalated the price of drugs. Uh, with the legalized kickbacks they get into the $200 billion range, all that's passed on. It's limited uh, uh, the resources available providing drugs. Um, my wife and I just today were at uh, at the doctor's uh, for a problem with breathing, and the doctor says, "Well, I'm going to prescribe an inhaler." And, and we said, well, how about the generic one? He said, it really doesn't matter. They're both the same price because they've learned there's such a limited source now, suppliers for the medical, for these pharmaceuticals and these drugs and these inhalers, that both the generic and the other one can charge as much as they want and still sell all that they have. So they've limited the production of medicine. They've put some small businesses, pharmaceutical businesses, out of business who are providing the slack to keep the prices stable, and that's how it's impacted. You know, that you just put a real human face on this. I think every time we hear this from 30,000 feet, it's supposed to be the, the answer, and it's all about the, helping the working, the working poor and the working class. And you just put a face on it. I've said it on my show multiple times about having health insurance not being actually access to quality health care. And I've talked about the, the middle-level the middle providers and what that means, but you just put a face on that. So if you have a very um, complicated disease like diabetes that's uncontrolled, or you have a child who has multiple medical problems, you're here to tell me, and correct me if I'm wrong, the average person who enters these clinics, they're not seeing doctors, they're actually seeing mid-level providers. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's, that's very fair to say. Excuse me. And, you know, I can speak from my own personal experience. I, uh, I, I've had uh, three bouts of AIDS, uh, and, and each time, uh, four bouts, actually, but this, this was the third instance I had it. Uh, each time, cardioversion uh, puts my heart right back in the rhythm for mm -hmm. three years. Uh, and I went to a hospital in, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and went in with AFib at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I asked them to call my my uh, cardiologist back in Delaware, here I am in North Carolina, and they said, no, we really don't do that. We don't need that input. I said, you don't want input from the doctor who's been looking at me for five years? Oh, no, we don't do that. Don't worry. We're going to just transfer you to another room where they put me on a metoprolol drip. And I said, this is not going to work. So they put it on such a high doses of drip that my heart rate started plummeting. Oh, wow. I had to yank out the uh, IV. Uh, and then uh, they transferred me to a room in the hospital 
uh, on the basis of saying, well, you know, you can live quite comfortably with uh, AFib by just taking blood thinners. And I said, I don't want to do that. I want to cardio it and have my heart back in. So they sent me upstairs and they said, well, we're sorry, we don't cardio on the weekend. And so I, I went upstairs to a room that wasn't even in cardiology. And, and now it's, I've been there for 12 hours and they just finally started the blood thinner trip. Uh, I didn't have that for 12 hours and I didn't even see a cardiologist until uh, 26 hours of being at the hospital. Finally, did cardiovert me after I started really making him think about it. But they were looking at me as a 72-year-old man who, well, you know, what's the cause is like really going to be, in my estimation. Uh, they would have never, I was, would never be treated like that up here uh, with my regular hospital. I went to my regular hospital uh, a, a year later with cardioversion, and within five hours I was cardioverted. Because they said, we understand you want a good quality of life, you're 72. So the medicine now is not only is it uh, limited and getting scarce and the pharmaceuticals are getting scarce and there's shortages of medical issues. Now they're treating seniors like they're expendable. Uh, the system has gotten very, very impersonal. And, and they're just uh, fewer and fewer doctors like you and Dr. C.L. Gray and, and my cardiologist who's great, my general practitioner up here that I have is absolutely great, who really give that personal care says, look, I don't care if you're 72, 82, or 25, we're going to give you the best possible health care you can get. Uh, and I think this is all because of the Affordable Care Act and how completely personalized relationships between doctors and patients. I think that's a very good uh, place to take our first break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking today with Mr. John Riddell, pastor and president of, at the Faith and Freedom Coalition, the Delaware chapter. And before the break, it was a really important conversation that we were having because it was a human, real conversation about what goes on on the front line of our healthcare system. I know we've been being pushed towards a Medicare for all. Over 100 Congress people, Democrats have signed on to this. And I foresee if that ever passes, it'll be like Obamacare on steroids. I'm not sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the quality of, of health care will only continue to plummet, but I believe it's going to be on the backs of the very people that you just described, the people who are trying to access the system, the people who have been on the outside looking in for, this, for the most of this time, and now they're going to have the privilege of waiting longer and getting a second tier of health care. I can't believe it, that story you just told me about the cardioversion. So they basically put you at risk because they didn't actually know what they were doing, sounds like to me. You could have had a very catastrophic event while you were waiting for care. 
Well, that, that's exactly it. It was so bad, as a matter of fact, that I had two friends with me from Faith and Freedom, one from Pennsylvania, both from Pennsylvania, who were with me because we were down there for the election. And at one point, I had to see a priest because I'm Catholic, and he came and said, well, I'm sorry, we're not a Catholic hospital. You can't see a priest. I said, yes, you can. Just call any church send them over. And she says, well, we can't do that. I'm sorry. And my friend looked at me and said, you certainly are, and so is this hospital. Uh, and, and I called my, my wife called my cardiologist, and uh, I was ready to get up and leave and drive to the nearest hospital. And he said, don't do that. You're in, you're in terrible jeopardy. You know, you could stroke out. You could do a lot of things. And that's true. And they really didn't seem to care about that or, or understand why that was important for me to, uh, you know, to receive the care I needed immediately being, you're right, at 72, anything catastrophic could happen. So my friends called my wife, and she called the church and made the a priest over. And then my wife got on a plane to come down because she was worried, like I was worried, that this was not going to end well. Wow, it should never have been to that that level you're supposed to be in a hospital to get help not fight the you know fight the system to help you and you were you know aggressive enough to stand your ground and know that you wanted a different level of care what about those who those folks who just take it who don't know that they have a voice who don't understand that they that the hospital works for them and they're as the patient needs to be a partner in their care i wonder how many people actually just don't get care because they don't speak up for themselves. Well, exactly, especially if you come from an environment or a community where you don't do that, you don't speak up, you don't, you know, you're not sure uh, about what's available for you and how it can help you, and so they remain silent. You know, and and then they don't receive the care, they don't receive the attention they they should or deserve, uh, and then we have catastrophe. I mean, we've had several cases in hospitals, even up here, where they. Uh, did the wrong procedure, or they had the wrong doctor do it, and patients have died. Uh, the system has, it seems to me, uh, because the government's gotten involved in it, and you would certainly know, doctor, much better than I would, but it seems to me that it's money-driven and not patient-driven. And it's, it, uh, what, what do we do to uh, get them in and get them out, rather than what do we do to cure the patient who's still and sick? Uh, and, and you know, when you start losing confidence in the media, you start losing confidence in the government, and then you start losing confidence in your doctor. What what do the people have left? You know, and that's why I think our nation is in such a bad shape as it is now. We trust no one anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the government has. I don't think they deserve the trust, frankly, because they don't think about the people. If they bothered to think that way at the beginning, I don't believe we would have had the Affordable Care Act, because they would have had doctors and patients giving our our perspective and our two cents on what it's really like on the front line. Bigger is not better. I think you just described that. And I think if you get into the mindset of just follow the money, you have to see where it went. It didn't go to doctors. It's being sucked out like a vacuum cleaner out of the pockets of patients. But there is some middlemen that are actually taking this money. The PBMs you described at the beginning of our conversation, that's an excellent example. That that anti-kickback rule, that safe harbor that they have to take rebates from the uh, the manufacturers and the insurance companies and the hospitals, that money is paying for CEOs, is paying for politicians and lobbying, but it's not paying for patient care. It's a real travesty, in my opinion. Well, well it, it is. It's, it's catastrophic, and in my estimation, it's criminal. And I'll tell you what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to say, okay, let's go for Medicare for all. Every single politician 
I mean, every single one up to and including the president's age has to be under the same medical procedures and medical uh, uh, services that we get, that they they have to go to the same waiting lines, have to go to the same, uh, you know, the same minimal doctors and not, not get the really excellent doctors. They have to suffer the same way we have to suffer. And I know they're going to say, well, we're running a country. But how about the people out here that actually built the country, that actually made the country work, that actually that they're supposed to be working for? You know, and, and the trouble is that the politicians could have solved this problem tomorrow. And they know they could solve it tomorrow. They know they could pass the laws that would repeal the Safe Harbor Act and, and, the, and the drug system, lower the price of drug system. They know they can repeal the Affordable Care Act and provide good quality health care. They know that there are doctors out there who are more than willing to give their services away to the poor uh, for tax deduction and, uh, and work in the communities and do some time in the, in the poor communities to provide excellent health care. They know all that, and they just don't care. They just have not acted. Democrat, Republican, I don't care who they are, they just not act. And, and that's why Faith and Freedom starting next year, uh, Faith and Freedom Mid-Atlantic starting next year, is starting Christian citizenship uh, programs within churches to build Christian citizen action teams within those churches. So they know how to go out and talk to politicians and, and expose uh, the failures in the law. And then we're going to start a Christian uh, candidate training program because we believe if we elect Christian candidates who believe that you love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and you love your neighbors yourself, if we have those kind of candidates, they will pass the right laws, they will do the right thing. I think that's a great idea. It's people power. It sounds, you know, kind of old school, but that's all. They understand the vote. And if they don't, if they stop taking our votes for granted, I think that's the only other way that we can actually affect change. I think they expect us to be complacent. They expect us to not vote, except when we they come around and gin up some crazy emotion that generally works against us, frankly. That's the only time they come around when it's election season. But if they cannot get in there, they can get all the lobby money that they want, but they'll never get in there if we don't vote for them. And I think that needs to be crystal clear made to them that you're not getting my vote unless you do what I want, and I will be watching you the entire time in, in, in power, and I'll make sure that you don't go back. I think you're right about that, and it's uh, informed citizenry is one that cannot be hoodwinked. I think you're right on point with that. Well, today, for instance, tomorrow, for instance, in Delaware, we have, of course, a U.S. Senate race between Tom Carper, who's a Democrat, and Rob Arlett, who's a Republican. I mean, let me make that distinction because uh, Rob Arlett uh, is the first candidate in our Delaware Pastors Movement uh, and Faith and Freedom Coalition that has been awarded the Vote Kingdom uh, candidate certification. And what that means is he's been interviewed by pastors. Uh, he's a uh, set out his policy position that is biblically based and godly based uh, and of complete service to the community and the pastors association that we have that works with faith and Freedom coalition our pastors alliance within our community are i would say uh 50 percent african-american 50 percent white uh 50 percent democrat 50 percent republican it's split right on the middle and every single one of them the democrats the republicans the pastors uh, the, the American and the white pastors have all, in this coalition, have all endorsed Rob Arlett uh, for the U.S. Senate. They've done that because of three things. One, he's going to support life. And two, he's, he's going to change the health care system. He's revealed to them what the truth is in the health care system. 
uh, and why it's failing the community. And now they can see that what that is. And for the first time uh, in Delaware that I can remember, and I've been here for 40 years, um, the NAACP uh, of Delaware has given given Robert a Republican a passing grade and Tom Carpenter a failing grade because of those issues. Well, that's a first. I don't think I've ever heard of that. That's not getting any um, national uh, note. You know, any kind of publicity. Is it just local that people know about this? No, it's, it's not. As a matter of fact, they ran a bogus poll a few months ago. Uh, to show that Tom Clark was 35 percent, 35 points ahead, uh, so that the money would stop drying up for Rob, and, and so that uh, people would think the race was over. And all of the internal polls we have now, it's down to seven percent gap in closing rapid. Uh, whether we can close it enough for tomorrow, I believe we can. Uh, the, the pastors have all said that they're, they're going to vote for him. Three of the pastors, Rob, come and speak at their church, African American churches. Uh, another two have announced publicly uh, that they're supporting him, and three of the pastors were at a press conference with Rob Arlett when he announced saying uh, that we're no longer voting Democrat or Republican, we're voting principle, morals, and ethics, we're voting our faith, we're voting kingdom. And, and that's the move we're starting here in Delaware, and we're hoping it's going to spread throughout the nation. Because if we do that, all things will get better. Healthcare will get better. You know, and, and certainly the abortion uh, situation will improve and get better. Um, so right now, Delaware is actually in a pit of despair. I mean, we have every uh, death thing you can put. We have abortion uh, on demand till the final month. You know, we have the highest murder rate in the city of Wilmington per capita. We have the highest abortion rate in Delaware per capita. We've lost over 35,000 manufacturing jobs. We lost Chrysler. We lost GM. We lost Avon. We lost Hercules. We lost AstraZeneca. We lost some of the big banks. We've now DuPont's closed its operations in Delaware. The DuPont gets South DuPont now. So our state is slipping down at an ever-increasing rate. And, and these pastors see that, that as that goes, the health care is going with it in particular even stronger because the better doctors are leaving. You know, and, and the better doctors are now opening concierge services where you have to pay $1,500 a year per person just to belong to their services so you can get good quality health care. That seems, you know, if you really think about this, this push towards equality and this uh, social justice uh, movement, it's actually making things more unequal than what you're just describing because people are getting less access to quality health care. They're not seeing physicians. They're locked out of the system. And doubling down on the same thing doesn't seem to me to be the answer from what you just described. No, no it's not. And, and so we, we've talked to the pastors, especially to those in the inner city communities that have been uh, taught and, and led to, into social justice, that it's not social justice we need, it's divine justice. Social justice is by man and that can be taken and given at his pleasure. But divine justice is from God and can never be revoked. And so that's why we started the Vote Kingdom movement because uh, you know, I can see uh, health care diminishing to, to a level in Delaware that my doctors now are all in Pennsylvania. I've switched to Penn uh, Medicine uh, up in Westchester, Pennsylvania uh, because the quality of medicine is better. Uh, the service is better. The caring is better. I mean, for Trent Lab, when I went to Chester County Hospital with a heart attack in this May, uh, and, and they, of course, put me right in. They got me in a room. Uh, they asked my wife if she was hungry, that she needs something to eat. Would they like her to make a, a bed up for her so she could stay in the room with me and be with me for the night? 
the service and the quality of care there was tremendous. The person that wheeled me in in the wheelchair, the person that took the test, uh, the person who treated me, it was all about the care of the patient and what the patient needed. It was phenomenal, and it's such a contrast to what I had in Charlotte. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out of pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. Uh, we're speaking with Pastor Rydell um, of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. And you know what strikes me, and I know there's been an open season on Christians over the past, I would say, 20 years, but really, really in the past 10. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you stand against anybody else. I mean, I want to really make that that clear. Part of what being Christian means, it's being a neighbor to everybody. It doesn't matter your race, your sex, anything else. It's being charitable. It's giving. And just because you're moving, having this movement does not take it away or take anything from anybody else. Is that fair to say? People keep saying, well, Christians want to do is set up a theocracy. Uh, and we say that's exactly what we don't want to set up. Right? That's exactly what we don't want to need. What we're saying is, and what our founding fathers believed in and supported, that there is a Christian religion, the moral principles and ethics of that religion, uh, really set the standards for behavior and for how you conduct yourself. Uh, you know, Christians believe in free will. God gave us free will. We don't want to remove free will from anyone. I mean, everyone has to make their choice and their judgment on their actions in life. But what the Christian faith is saying, what Christian politicians are saying is, if we truly care for each other, if we truly care for the, our brothers who suffer the most and need the most, then we do the right thing every time because it's the right thing to do. I haven't seen Congress do much of anything right in the last you know, uh, 10 years. They just keep going back and forth. And, you know, the, the Republicans can talk about, well, it was Obama that raised the, the national debt to $25 trillion, but it was Republicans that passed the budget. So it, it, they, they've got to get back to the basic principles of their Christian roots and background, where being uh, effective with your dollars is a Christian principle. The caring for the poor is a Christian principle. You know, it's not giving out a, a Medicare for all that destroys the health care of some so that others can get lesser health care. In other words, giving lesser health care to everyone. It's about serving the community, caring about the community, loving the community, and, and being and loving your neighbor and helping people out. 
And the churches used to do that, but the government has taken that away. Look, look at how they've driven the Catholic Church out of the adoption industry because um, they were so successful at adopting children that the abortion rate started to drop, and it's all about abortion. So if you get rid of the, uh, the uh, adoption agencies in the Catholic Church, then suddenly abortion becomes more attractive again. There, there is an evil that's flowing through our country that if Christians don't rise up and start voting their conscience, their informed conscience, and voting their faith, that this country will diminish and disappear. And that doesn't mean that anybody else, any other religion, is cannot stand with us. We're standing for something, actually, which is the betterment of everybody. And I think part of part of the society, to me, has the the society at large has tried to define people, their their motivations and their goals. And I know that as a physician, that's happened to us. I think as a Christian, it's happened to Christians as well. This is a really, it's an important movement because what you described is something that brings everybody together, black, white, whatever, you know, um, political persuasion you are. We should all be, we're all on the same team since we're all humans and we're all Americans. We all stand together. We all fall together, honestly. It's not about winners and losers. We all either win or we all lose, right? No, it's not. As a matter of fact, our group has gone to synagogues for services uh, to help our uh, Jewish brothers and sisters when they needed, uh, when they had problems, they needed help and assistance on. We've been there, attended their services, sat with them in, in their synagogues. We, they've come to our churches. Uh, I've had Protestant pastors be with me, like again, like I said, when we said the rosary. When we said the rosary, they weren't insulted by that, they weren't offended by that. Uh, because they stood together as Christians together, as uh, Judeo-Christians working together. Uh, the Protestants and the Catholics have gotten together and prayed together uh, at, at churches for our country and for what's, what's happening. We've, we've looked at the uh, the problems in the Middle East with the Muslims and, and what's happening, how they're, a lot of them are being slaughtered by the extremist uh, terrorist Muslims. You know, we, we care about every single human being in life. That's the trademark of being uh, uh, living Judeo-Christian principles. And that's, you know, we, we believe that freedom of religion is an important uh, segment of our society and, and our constitution. That's why it's in the, the first, you know, with the five issues of speech, press, religion, peacefully assemble, and the petition of government. If you lose any one of those five out of the First Amendment, you start the deterioration of our government, our country, and our way of life. So being a Christian means you, you look at, respect, love, and help everyone, period. I couldn't have said it better. And another thing that uh, it, one of your mission, one of your principles is about education, isn't it? About education reform. What are the things that you think in our education system that needs to be changed that can make it better for our children? Well, first of all, they have to get rid of Common Core. I, I, I've looked at Common Core. And, and it's a disgrace. It talks about nothing about the history of our nation and how it was formed and why it was formed and, and the issues. So they've made education now an indoctrination center that helps to uh, create drones that can work for businesses like Microsoft. You know, Microsoft is a big proponent of it, of what they're doing. Uh, and, and it does not teach the, the real STEM, you know, science, technology, English, math, and history the, the way it needs to be taught. And going back to the principles, sound principles uh, of the education um, foundation you need. And universe saying now that anyone who goes through uh, 12 years of common course so has to take remedial math and remedial English in order to get into university. 
Uh, and what they found is that students who are, uh, are proficient in math and proficient in uh, English uh, score well, uh, score better, do better uh, in, in, math, in college than those that do not. And one of the things they've successfully done through the education now is completely uh, almost destroyed uh, Christian education or independent schools education where kids can't afford to go there anymore, uh, can't afford to attend. And so what we have is schools now that are uh, sort of uh, indoctrinating out religion away from people who are Christians, people of faith. So the kids don't really fit in in those schools, so they're doing that, first of all. They've dumbed down the religion. Uh, the, the smarter balance uh, assessment testing, uh, if you talk to Dr. Peg Luxick and other uh, education professionals around the country, they tell you that how, how racist that, that testing is because it does not teach. Uh, that does not test competency on uh, quality of education or the testing. What it ends up doing is, because it's high-stakes testing, is that the kids in the inner city that may be tired that day, didn't get enough food that day, have lived in a trouble with their near with their shootings that day, emotionally carries them into that test, treats them at a lower disadvantage of taking the test. So what they do in the education system now in Common Core, they have a thing, a dirty little secret that most people don't know about, and it's called cut scores. And what a cut score is, for instance, I'll use one of Delaware's districts. We have the Brandywine School District, where proficient is, I'll make these numbers up, because it's don't know there. Proficient is 60%. If you get 60% of the answers correct, you're proficient. Uh, and it's pretty close to that. But when the, when the inner city schools are not performing, what they do is they cut that score and they say, okay, for the inner city, 40% is proficient. So here they, here they end up making it look like all these kids in the inner city are proficient when they're operating at 20 points lesser than uh, the, the kids in the suburbs. How is that not racist? How is that not targeting minorities uh, in, in our community? There's something terribly, terribly wrong with this system. And education has to be completely revamped if, if we're going to save this nation and save these children. Education is the hope. That's their way out of this, uh, out of uh, a life that they're in, if they're in a bad life. It's their only hope to get to college or get to trade schools. And if we take that away from the poor communities, what do they have left? That's a very good point. And it, it's, it sounds good on the surface, but when you drill down and you look at that, what are they going to do when they have to actually have a job or actually perform? And then there'll be this big argument about how it's, you know, the minority children aren't as good, but they start off behind the eight ball because it's not enough expected of them. Who's, is this a money-making venture? Are people getting money for these, these common core test results? You know, you have to have a certain number of kids pass to get money. Yes, if you, if you look, uh, there's a, a woman, Dr. Kathleen Jackson, who used to be in um, Florida, I don't know where she is now, who resigned her job. She's a Democrat, she's a liberal, and her self-professed words. Uh, and she resigned from the education, uh, from the vice principal of a school in Florida because she said that the smarter balance assessment testing is designed for the student to fail so that the student has to retake the test. And every time a student retakes the test, they have to pay the smarter balance assessment testing. So it's a money-making Ponzi scheme. Uh, and, and David Colbert and, and others knew that this was going to be about, I mean, they caught, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the head of Microsoft, for some reason I just wrote the complete plan, Bill Gates. They caught Bill Gates on tape saying, if we can put in the Common Core system, we will have um, customers for life. 
And so uh, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not saying that Microsoft is involved in this uh, uh, design of, of the system that creates a money-making machine. What I'm saying is he realized the advantages of uh, being this way. We need to go back to the old thing, old way where the teachers designed uh, what, how they, what they were going to cover in classes. They designed how to cover the curriculum. Uh, the, the local school boards designed the curriculum or the state uh, designed the curriculum based on true actual history on math and science and English. Uh, you know, they don't read classics anymore in Common Core. They, instead, they read service manuals and compliance manuals. Uh, and what one person said is they are absolutely driving all the creativity out of children. Man, that's the beauty of going to school is being able to be creative and think outside the box. You know, we're seeing this ripple effect. I read an article, I'm a surgeon, and they were saying that medical students who go to surgery or become surgeons now don't have three-dimensional spatial abilities because they've been on the computers or doing things without their hands. So this is a, having a ripple effect throughout our society. And I think we're now just going to begin to see we're going to reap what's been sown up to this point. Let's take our, our last break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. If you've tried taking over-the-counter medications but still have problems with nasal congestion, recurrent sinus infections, sinus headaches, or a dry mouth when you wake up in the morning, why not fix the problem? From natural integrative treatment to minimally invasive surgery, Peachtree ENT Center will work with you to find the solution that works best for you. Call 404-591-9100 today to make an appointment or visit us at PeachtreeENTCenter.com because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. This is a really enlightening conversation that we're having about our society and about really what's going on underneath and what we're being told and why we're being pushed down a certain path. I think there's a common thread through all of this, and it's follow the money, and it's producing you know, an unending stream of customers, whether that's for pharmaceuticals or whether that's for children who are being pushed into an education system that's not creating anything of value down the road. I mean, you almost have to be, it's almost an accident, it seems like, that you come out and you're able to think for yourself and be an entrepreneur. And that's one of the things, again, we're talking about Christian values and about freedom of choice. One of the things that's free or should be free is the free market and being an entrepreneur. How do you even have children who think out, who think like that when they can barely read and write? Well, you, you, you can't, and, and that's the problem. You know, when I, when I went to school, I went to a, a school in Philadelphia that was for four fatherless boys 
whose mothers were poor, um, and you, you stayed there, they, they took you and you lived there. You know, that's the thing that's you know, like, well, really uh, a good environment. And when you're in, uh, the education was solid and good up through this uh, eighth grade, and then when you, you go into eighth grade, uh, I'm going to start when you go into the ninth grade, and, and ninth and tenth grade, you have to go through every single uh, craft shop that they have there in the morning. You have to go to machine shop, uh, carpentry, uh, sheet metal, drafting, electrical shop, auto shop, mechanical shop. You know, so we went through all these shops. Uh, and then when you finish ninth uh, and 10th grade, and you go into the 11th grade, you have to choose whether you're, you're, you're going to head towards the craft and uh, jobs and, and go to take shops uh, full-time in the afternoon and go to your regular classes, uh, structure classes, math, science, and English, and history in the morning, and then craft in the afternoon. Or you have to decide whether you're going to go to uh, business and college and go through um, the, the uh, accelerated courses morning and afternoon. Uh, and, but what that did is even for the kids that decided to go through the uh, accelerated courses and go to college, they were so well-rounded and so well-proficient in daily skills to take you through life, to help you in your home, uh, and you, where you had to be creative and think about what you were doing when you were building something and creating something. That every single one of my classmates, and there were 56 of us graduated that year, are successful. I mean, every single one of them, uh, whether they're carpenters or, or running businesses or corporate leaders, uh, they're all great, doing great. And, and every year uh, we meet together uh, in uh, the last weekend in, in July uh, to stay together and talk together because we built such a bond in that creativity, a creative environment, and that uh, wonderful uh, healing environment that we were in. Uh, and that's what's missing for children right now. They're being taught how to think outside the box, how to be creative, you know, how, how to understand, how to how to do things, how to build things from nothing from scratch. Uh, and that's missing in our society. And with, with that, so will the entrepreneurship and the creativity in our nation. And with that, then that means the government will take the lead in that because they're they're the arbiters of what what constitutes what you're allowed to do, right? What profession you should have, how much money you should make, or this, uh, what is this, uh, minimum universal income, which basically is just being a serf. I mean, if they're going to decide how much money, you do, your value of how much money you should make as a minimum, this is a completely planned society, and it hasn't worked anywhere that I can think of. No, it has not. As a matter of fact, in the Common Core uh, system, uh, by the time you're in the third grade, teachers begin to slot you to what profession you should be going to or what, what classes you, you need to be taking. You don't get to decide that. They decide that. And they lead you down that way. And, and every good teacher that I know, and there's a ton of good teachers who want to do the right thing, uh, we held a uh, an education town hall, and we had teachers come up to us and say, please help us. We can't keep teaching this junk. This is terrible. These kids will never uh, have a successful life in teaching this stuff. So the teachers know it, you know, and and, uh, and, and politicians know it, and, and they're doing nothing about it. They really, they, they want to build a two-tiered society where there are the haves and, and then everybody else. And, and the everybody else are the ones that keep things going so that the haves, the political elite, and, and the educational elite uh, can live the good life while the rest of us lead a, a much poor socialistic style of life. And that's where, it's, that's where we're headed. We're headed to socialized medicine. We're headed to socialized education. We're headed to everything that's going away from the traditions of our country that made us great into the things that make countries poorer and worse. And the way they're doing it is making us hate each other and 
creating, I believe, artificial division. It's not about black or white. It's about, as you just said, the haves and the have-nots, the elites and the rest of us. And that means if you can be the rest of us, being a physician, a construction person, a teacher, it doesn't matter. You're not part of their system, and you're going to be the ones that they they don't want, they're going to take advantage of. But the sad part of it, they, they keep talking about social justice, and it's the people who they're supposedly helping or the ones who are going to end up on the wrong side of this equation. Well, it is. If you remember what the, 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 the sex scandals with uh, uh, the big producer in, in Hollywood, he, Weinstein, uh, Weinstein was the one who screamed the loudest about how we have to treat women with respect and was the ones that was abusing the most. And the same thing with social justice. The ones that are screaming we need social justice the most are the ones that are using social justice as a mean degrade of a little. Uh, and, and so until we get into a position in our nation where people uh, come together and say we're done with this, we're voting our faith, kingdom, uh, we're voting for candidates to have a strong moral and ethical character, this is going to just continue to get worse. I, I mean, I know uh, at the meeting in Washington with you and doctors like you there, it was so refreshing to, to the African-American pastors we brought with us to hear that they said somebody really is trying to do somebody is here's what we're saying they're really trying to do what's right for us uh, and, and that was critical to them it really lifted their spirits like i can't tell you and, and when they came back they've got more vocal more active more involved in this uh, and so we're um you know we're going to try this year if we can certainly push rob over the finish line and get him elected that'll send a signal that the christian voice is coming to elect ethical moral candidates well, that would be a blessing, I think, and a, and for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are because freedom is for everybody. And if one group is free, we're all free. And if one person or one person or one group is subjugated, we're all subjugated. I don't think people realize that, that we're all to actually tied to each other. If you can't speak freedom, if you can't speak truth, if you can't speak and, and practice your faith un, un, unencumbered, then nobody's free. No, you're not. And, and, and I served in uh, Vietnam, uh, and when we had alarms uh, call, you know, the uh, attack is imminent, and you ran to your foxhole, you ran to your position on, on the line. I, you didn't look down the line and say, I'm sorry, this is only for Catholics. I'm sorry, this is only for Protestants. Or, I'm sorry, uh, only for whites or only for blacks. You could care less what that person's re uh, religion was, what their faith was, where, where they came from, uh, what color their skin was. All you cared about is... Where are they going to be there to stand with you and protect you like you're going to protect them? And that's what we did. And, and that's a lesson we should learn in our society here, uh, where we, we work together, we fight together, we laugh together, we play together, and we're united. And, and, and the way they're dividing our nation now, dividing us within our nation, is a disgrace. Uh, and, and why anybody would vote for any politician that keeps doing that, keeps calling people names to stand up for their faith, keeps calling people's names, people names who are trying to get better education. I mean, this, this, it's got to stop. It just really, truly has to stop. And it's going to take a, a, a group of people like you, uh, your guys, the Physicians for Reform, and for us, the Faith and Freedom Coalition, for the Christian citizenship, it's going to take groups like ours uniting together across the country and saying, hey, we're going to support each other, we're going to work with each other, and we're only going to vote the way uh, that we have to vote, which is vote change. I couldn't have said it better. I know we have a few uh, minutes left. How can people reach out to you, especially people who want to join the movement and who want to learn how to become active citizens? 
Well, they can go to our website, which is www.ffcdelaware.com, and Delaware spelled out the whole name, uh, and go to our contact page, you know, and, and we uh, will be glad to uh, align you with people in your area. If not, we'll be glad to talk to you on the phone, have our pastors and our, our civic leaders uh, and our constitutional uh, uh, trainers lead, leaders talk to you and work with you and help you. And we, we offer this on a radio show also for uh, for women who have had abortion. You know, we, we, that's probably the most one of the most places things in our country, yeah. but we don't look down on women who have had abortions because we understand uh, that you know, we believe abortion is a sin. I'm not saying that we do. We want it to stop. But we understand that women can get trapped into that, and there's no one who suffers more than a woman who's had an abortion. Uh, but So if there's any women like that out there, we like that we a girlfriend or wife has an abortion who's suffering, if they contact us on that same website, we will we will refer them to groups like Gracious Vineyard that can help them through that pain and help them through the healing process. So it's not only about politics, it's about life. Wow, that's really cool. I mean, we've got such a, a, a negative conversation going on. If you have a difference of opinion, if you want to think about and choose life, you're somehow made to be the worst person in the world. And I think there's been an extreme amount of negative press, um, just negativity out there, and it affects all women, but I would say it's affected the black community a great deal since its inception. Planned Parenthood is not the friend of any woman, but specifically black women. I mean, that was all designed for, as a means of getting rid of black people. People need to to actually go back and learn their history on that. Yes, there was a form of eugenics that Margaret Sanger believed in, where, you know, eugenics, for your listeners who don't know, was that uh, there was a... It said the theory of evolution where uh, only the fittest survival. Eugenics said it's happening fast enough, so we have to get rid of the weak now. Chate them out, make sure they don't survive, make sure they don't go on. And Margaret Sanger was a eugenist. And so when birth control wasn't working fast enough to stop the growth of the African American population, she decided that abortion would be a good way to really stop it. And it's been, it's been growth since then. I mean, what we were called black weeds, basically. We need to actually go back and learn our history. And tearing down statues and trying to erase it from textbooks is not going to work. As long as people want to know the truth and actually your organization and you speak truth to power, I, you know, it's a blessing to have you on the show because it's, people need to know that there's a choice, that there's another, there's a truth out there that's being suppressed. And it's on us, honestly, to do our own due diligence. Stop just accepting what people tell you and start reading and learning. Would you agree? I would agree with that 100%. On that note, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. I wish you Godspeed and anything I can do to help you in your movement because we're all in it together. If we're in a totalitarian society where we speak out and we're speaking the wrong thing, we may not be here to to have another day at this. So this is the time that we need to make a choice. Tomorrow, I think, is the beginning. This election is very important, and I hope everything works out for, for the United States and everybody in it. We do, too, Dr. Georgia. Thank you, and God bless you. And you and your group are such a blessing uh, to the poor people who really need good medicine, and I know you're going to make it right. Thank you, and I hope to have you back on in the future and learn about everything else you're doing. Please be glad to join Thank you, and thank you for listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, P. 
Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.